This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the manly, manly Warthog Man Cave. As always, you're the manly Warthog Man Cave. And uh, we're in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, which are just hotter than you know where right now. And uh, we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. It is the heat is the story in the weather. Uh, you know, of course, the lefties are using this as a proof of the, uh, you know, we're about to all go out into outer space, I guess, somewhere from which they originally came, you know. So uh, uh, we're, we've got the Melton Law Studio here always supporting us. And Melton Law, as you know, is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators. Uh, Jeffrey Melton is a full service legal firm, and he gives an awful lot back to the community. I don't know as I know anyone more involved than Jeffrey. And uh, really, I'm honored to have him supporting us and we support him. It's all about networking in this world of community. You know, uh, I know Ted is listening right now watching. It's all about community. And uh, we lose it. Uh, It gets diffused and distracted and abstract. And we try to maintain it in the rural community. Uh, There's a little story we'll talk about in a minute about that, uh, about how important it is and to people moving out of the cities to find a rural place to move to. Uh, it's a pretty big story, and it's getting bigger. Um, of course, we are uh, protected by crime prevention, 24-7, 365. Our good friends, John Pastore and Randy Elrad, really support them. They support us. Great people. Good people, solid people. Built that com- built that business out of scratch, contrary to what Obama would have you believe. You know, <laughs> one of the most damaging remarks of all the damaging remarks he said was you didn't build it. That was so bad. Oh, my golly, was he horrible. Well, you know, we can just almost start anywhere with him and get crazy talk. Um, but uh, we've got all these great sponsors also. Patronize them. You got to get your clothes clean. Go to on-the-spot cleaners. Those people built that business out of nothing. I mean, come on. That's what we want. Um, what equity. Yeah, on our construction. Uh, loyal as can be, Lance Lunger and his wife. Um, they specialize in... How I met them through fire rehabilitation, uh, had a building that was um, uh, caught fire by, you know, uh, uh, you know, the world lightning is a dangerous thing with storms. So that's how I met those good people. Um, style cuts, if you've got to get your ears set out, as my father said, or get yourself pleased up was his other term, visit David Ratliff at Style Cuts uh, right down there around the corner from Bill Pinner Shoes. Um, wonderful people. Been here forever. So, um we uh, can push all these people your way, uh, Julio Ocasio, State, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we got Ted with us today. Ted is as steady as the clock. And um, we were talking about this. You know, usually I have to prepare a backup program if I feel somehow, some way, he who said he would do something actually didn't do it. That is never the case uh, with Ted Yoho. You know, I believe this kind of guy. You're too is, kind. <laughs> I believe it's handshake agreement. Uh, and you don't have to have paper to back it up. Um, the uh, rural community is something I know he and I both 
identify with and uh, a large animal vet. Uh, so uh, those guys are far few and fewer and farther between, I believe, uh, if I got my uh, story straight on that, Ted. Uh, yeah, more an endangered species. I'm going to run. I'm going to have production put this picture up, which I also shared with Ted. I kind of <laughs> fooled him. I guess he didn't know who it was. Uh, there I am, my friends. Leave that up for a little while, Zach. Um, that was, you know, this is one of the things I love about campaigning. This was when I was campaigning almost 25 years ago for the county commission, a race which I lost to Byerly because I wasn't environmentally green enough. I didn't even know what you know, I didn't think that was really a valid issue. But um, there I am. I believe I'm an archer. And um, uh, these folks came up uh, on the 4th of July and we had this picture taken and I dug it out of my midnight auto yard of photos. And I said, lo and behold, I said, that is timeless. Um, what better representation of diversity and inclusion could you have right. <laughs> than to have the senior citizen? the females, uh, the person of color, and the country boy there. So um, uh, it, it is really a, uh, a fun thing to share. And I, I, uh, I, I guess Ted didn't recognize a younger version of uh, yours truly. Here. I had to do a couple double takes on that, triple takes. <laughs> and some time has passed since uh, 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 water under the bridge, as we say, in the uh, mortality world. So right. um, I had my campaign shirt on there. Ted, if you look kind you of close, did. you can see it. You yeah, uh, and that's what the Ward Scott was all about on the front. But I had a lot of fun out on the trail. Met a lot of good people, and uh, you know, Ted, one of the things that I learned, and you, you, you are really uh, uh, were masterful the way you steered through all this and got into the U.S. Congress. But I had friends oh. come to me and tell me, Ward, you ought to run for the county commission. Everybody knows you. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Go out and stand <laughs> in front of Walmart and tell me how many people know you. Right. You know what I'm saying? I everybody know exactly your, what you're saying. Everybody in your circle might know you, but how big is your circle, you know? And you find out how little that pond you're in is. You better believe it. And then you start raising and spending money to connect your pond to other ponds. And... Um, uh we got an article on that. I thought we might start with, Ted, um, how much money um, Herschel Walker spent on digital advertising. And it was an article a while back by Andy Kessler in the Wall Street Journal, clear back in June. And um, among all the things uh, uh, I want to go over with you, and you and I know this, um, who makes money in elections? Uh, well, there's certainly plenty of money, Andy Kessler writes. There sure is. $14 billion, Ted, according to Kessler's article, was spent during the 2020 elections. Wow. Almost $6 billion on the presidential race. Okay? Another $16 billion was spent on the 2022 midterms. How now, much? 20, uh, $16 billion. 16, and, on the midterms? On the midterms. Wow. And he says Barack Obama paid his strategist, Axelrod's firm, more than two million from 2005 to 2008. Uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign paid pollster, Mark Penn's firm, more than five million when she lost in 2008. Uh, 
And now we're into this, um, he thinks, forget the small donor fundraising is the real gusher with potential million-dollar paydays um, thanks to a nearly complete lack of oversight. Uh, Fees are often 10% to 20%, but some digital fundraisers have kept as much as 80% of what they raised, Ted. Yeah, 80%. Um, Wow. Some, yeah. Um, As far as advertising goes, traditional media such as TV, radio, and billboards, as we know, Ted, typically have 8% fees by an agency. Uh, Audits are easy for, say, buying 1,000 gross rating points in Chicago, but a $100 million Senate campaign? Wow. There we are, my friend. Um, How much did Herschel Walker spend? Let's go see where that is. The The Walker campaign. Yeah, he says he dug up the Federal Election Commission filings for Herschel Walker's 2022 campaign. Um, The Walker campaign had more than 1,000 itemized campaign expenses, including $13 to Velvet Elvis, $6 (laughs) to Burger King. Uh, It looks as if, let me see, $69 million, Ted. Wow. That's what I see here. You know, I mean, this brings up, I I think this is one of the biggest problems in politics is there's too much dang money in there that prevents a good candidate from getting elected because the machine, the political machines will decide who they're going to get behind. And then they just kind of push aside um, the other candidates. And a lot of times some of those other candidates are better, better um, would be better at the job they do. And, uh, it's ridiculous. And of course, the consultants get a big portion of that, as you just pointed out. And then the other portion goes to signs and getting your name out there, media. And, you know, you got to pay for that stuff. So, but it's just, it's gotten so ridiculous the amount of money that goes into these campaigns that it keeps a lot of people out. Um, <laughs> I was going to tell you something, but I, I, I don't think I want to say it here on the, on the, on the. <laughs> Um, I was talking to Tulsi Gabbard. You remember her? She ran for president. I like Tulsi Gabbard. I do, too. She was a classmate of mine when I went into Congress. And she said that to get your name out there as an independent, you would need at least $70 million. And um, Well, that comports with Kessler's article. That's right in there with uh, Kessler's figures in his article. Yeah. So, I mean, that precludes a lot of people from getting into the race to run. And so you're stuck with who the machine wants to give you. And, you know, I think the perfect example of that was uh, the year Trump won. Prior to Trump getting into the race and, you know, when he first entered, there's a lot of people just thought this was a political stunt or uh, uh, advertising stunt. The establishment already had your candidates. It was Hillary Clinton on the Democratic side and it was Jeb Bush on the Republican side. Jeb already had $100 million in the bank account. And it's the big machine, the, the party of uh, big government says, all right, America, here's your two choices. And I'm thinking, are these really the best choices we have in America? Hillary Clinton, who was tainted with all this garbage with her, including her husband and Jeb Bush. And uh, I think not. And uh, I think America deserves a lot better. And now it's coming down to, you know, God forbid, if it's Biden again, um, that guy's been such a disaster but I just can't believe that would be the best 
that we have in America to represent the democratic ideals, which are terrible, or Trump. And I think, you know, Trump, I think he's done a lot of great things, but there's so much garbage around him. And, you know, I would speculate that if he survives the primary and he, he, he gets the nomination, that the left is just going to go after him more stronger than they did in the past. And it's just going to it'd be like trying to swim with an anchor on your legs. You know, um, it's going to really affect how he he performs. And, and it's just I think America deserves better. I think the American people deserve better, especially at this time. Well, it's uh, interesting. I've got another article here. It's, uh, you know, let's talk about this. This is called this is according to Rasmussen. And as you know, uh, YouTube kicked us off for daring to run counter to their acceptable narrative. Right. But according to Rasmussen, 49 percent of the voters. This is why I think Trump doesn't go away. You know, let's think about this, Ted. He has dom. I don't know in this. Is, he doesn't pay for this. This is all free airtime. He has dominated the minds, as we say, living rent free. Since really 2016. That's right. He did. And according to the Rasmussen report, 49 percent of the voters, this is just recently, uh, this article, about two or three days old, agreed with the statement, quote, there is no way Joe Biden got 81 million votes in the 2020 election. And that breaks down to this. 33% strongly agree with that statement. Only 44% of the country disagrees with it. Really? Oh, and 30% that's pretty scary. That's, I mean, that's, that's at a tipping point. Um, when you have that kind of Disagreement or unbelieving, I guess. Well, the poll, this poll was conducted between June 25 to 27 of this year, 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps the most surprising revelation, I'm reading from the article in, in, uh, in uh, Washington Examiner, was that most of those who agreed with the statement included 31% Democrats. And 45% of the voters who chose not to identify with any political party at all. That's a sleeper in this we need to talk about. It is. Compared to 72% of the Republicans. They, they of course, agree with that. Um, Additionally, Rasmussen polled to know this. This reinforced the lack of trust in the validity of elections. That's That's worth lurking out there as well, Ted. Another survey they took showed that 66% of the country is concerned that the outcome of the 2024 presidential election will be affected by cheating. Yeah. Huh? No, really. I mean, the problem we have with a lot of the foreign countries we dealt with that we criticized uh, that you have to have uh, fair, open elections that are transparent. You know, so we would put pressure on these countries and foreign aid wouldn't go to these countries if they didn't do that. But we're as guilty, if not more guilty than the other ones. And it's something that's escalated and gotten worse in the last probably last three or four presidential elections. It's become more and more obfuscated. And uh, when you have that kind of uh, um, 
screen in front of the election process, uh, it, it leaves more room for fraud. And if you look at our country with the mail-in ballots, the extended voting periods of time, we're the only developed country that does it. France, Great Britain, all these other countries, all these other Western-style democracies or liberal, we'll call them liberal democracies, they've gotten rid of that. And it's it, we are going in the wrong way because it opens it up for fraud. And you get that's why you get the poll numbers that you're you're seeing right now. So I mean that's something that really needs to change those voting laws. Well, no question. But also, this is one of the ironic things: the majorities of every racial category said that they were concerned about elections being affected by cheating. That includes. The racial minority. I mean, they don't trust the election process. And they're supposedly the ones that are being treated more fairly by an elongated voting period. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole premise, because if if you're a conservative and you go after the extended voting and mail-in ballots, you're racist, you're suppressing the votes, and that's a bunch of malarkey. Um, You know, anybody can vote. Nobody is suppressed in this country to vote. You know, if you go back to Philadelphia, and I forget when it was, I think it was when Bush ran the second time, George Bush. You remember how the Black Panther, the new Black Panthers were in the voting polling places, preventing people or intimidating people. I mean, that's suppression of a vote right there. And, you know, this mail-in ballot, it just sends it, it sets it up for fraud. And then the ballot harvesting where these uh, Democratic operatives, the Zuckerbucks, will go through the nursing homes and have people sign these um, their ballots. And then all the ballots that got mailed out to people that um, it's just it's it's ripe for fraud. And I think that's why you get a Joe Biden elected. There's no way that guy qualified. I mean, he could never he could never get the uh, Democratic nomination for president prior to this last go around. And he says, I don't, I'm not even going to say illegitimate or uh, you know, not, to, not legally there, but he's the most incompetent president I think we've ever had. You know, it's hard to be worse than Obama. It's hard to be worse than Carter. Um, and I say that about Obama and what he did to this country. You know, um, you know when you look at his background, how he got to where he was, he, he voted present more than I forget, like 79% of the time while he was in the Senate. But he's been very successful in the funnel, fundamental transformation of America. And he'll go down very successful unless we're able to counter that. And then he'll go down as probably one of the biggest enemies of this country as far as a constitutional republic. The other issue which is lurking, and I'm just throwing this out here for us to talk about with our students, Um we haven't even discussed yet the lack of confidence in partisan FBI investigations, nonstop leaks, bureaucratic sabotage. These are all listed in an opinion page article by the journal. Um, Republicans are complaining about what we know of as you were around there, deep state and our inability to affect the 2 million strong federal civil service outfit that's been hostile with GOP ever since Reagan. Um, Look at that building, which I had to ride by to get to your place in D.C., known as the Education 
My golly, that thing even Can you looks like how it came. big that building is. Look, it looks like it came from Moscow. Yeah, the oh, USDA is the same way. EPA is the same way. I mean, these are big monolithic structures that have hundreds, hundreds, or thousands of people that are working for the bureaucracy. And their goal is to preserve the bureaucracy. And that's why the Democrats have been so successful of growing the government. And, um, you know, it's the Biden economics, bigger government, more programs, uh, more control is a big thing. But we're, and, and people are getting fed up with it. Have you seen the, the bombings that happened in Washington, D.C. on July 2nd? No, bring me up to date on that. Um, there were three bombings in Washington, D.C. Did we know about one, that through the public media? Yeah, it's on Epic Times right now. Um, okay. It said the first explosion went off at 4.30 a.m. near Washington Place outside the Truist Bank, where we used to bank, used to be SunTrust. Another device was detonated outside a Nike store on H Street north of the Capitol at 4.36 a.m., six minutes later. And um, the third one was a Maltoff cocktail tossed into a Safeway uh, at 4.45. Um, no injuries, thank God. But all three establishments were closed at the time because it was so early in the morning. And um, they've got a description of the car, but they don't have a suspect yet. And, of course, Marion Bowser, the mayor of uh, D.C., is just all up in arms. Oh, this is terrible. And her solution was, I think we need to hire more police officers. Now, this is interesting because this is a lady that was adamant about defunding the police and getting rid of these people. And then the retiring um, um, uh, district attorney for up there, the U.S. Attorney uh, District of Columbia, um, <laughs> He was going on about their district attorney up there that was appointed by Joe Biden has declined to prosecute 67 percent of those arrested in the city in 2021. And then it goes on to the, um, the, the statistics that, you know, from robbing, uh, murders, homicides, all these, the numbers are just way out of control. And Marion Bowser was over here complaining about, you know, racism and all this stuff. And now she's like, well, we need more police officers. And it's like, you get what you sow. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a wake-up call around the nation. And I sure hope there is a red wave that is the strongest we've ever seen in the House and the Senate. And if President Trump is fortunate to get back into the White House, you know, the rhetoric I'm hearing him say now about the border about um, holding China accountable. Have you seen the latest thing he said about China? He says they'll have 48 hours to get out of Cuba. <laughs> to get out of what? Cuba. Cuba. Get out of Cuba. Yeah, well, Cuba. you know, Trump's strong suit and his Achilles heel at the same time yeah. has been he, he's not from the establishment. Right. And so the establishment loathes him and is scared to death of him. You know, I learned when I was in that picture that we put up a moment ago. And I, back then, by golly, believe it or not, I'll say this. I was a Democrat. I mean, I really wasn't too politically involved. I mean, you know, that's my part. That's what I did, because that's what you did in Alachua County. If you wanted to vote. You were a Democrat, you know. But they came along and said, I'll run against Barley. Well, all of a sudden, I realized that the Democrat Party couldn't stand me. They weren't going to help me. I remember standing in the Democratic Party 
office headquarters during the campaign, you would have thought I had um, um, COVID or something. I mean, they didn't have that. No maybe that was the origin of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was the damn origin of it. I, they wouldn't come near me. And, and here I had I'd done a lot of things as the Senate president of Santa Fe or the community college system. I don't know if you if you know this, Ted, but I'll I'll tell the story. Uh, um, Senator Graham used to call me Mr. Community College. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because E.T. York introduced me to the Senate. And I really liked E.T. York. And E.T. Yeah. E. and I were really good friends. So Senator Graham put me on his Amendment 11 committee, uh, with, you know, with his attorney and right in the, the strategy group and all. And one time Senator Graham came to me and said, Ward, he says, I got to have the community college system behind this effort to put this in the Constitution. Can you help me? And I said, Senator Graham, let me tell you about the community college system, the way it feels about the four-year institutions. You all talk down to them all the time. They don't like you guys. You know, you treat them like redheaded stepchildren. I don't know if I can deliver them or not. Now, back then, Ted, not only was I president of Santa Fe College Senate, I was president of the Senate presidents of the state of Florida. Oh, really? Which was amazing. Think about that. Think about that. It's pretty amazing. All, you know, Miami-Dade, they all came to me. Wow. So you had the whole state. I had the whole state, Ted. They came to me. Yeah. So I called, I convened a meeting, and we met up here in Gainesville. We had the representatives from all over. St. Pete was a very powerful Senate president. Miami-Dade was a Cuban Senate president. A lady, a chemistry major, professor, very, they all came to me. I said, Senator Graham wants to know if you all will back him in Amendment 11. And I told him, you know, y'all not in favor too much of those four-year institutions. I said, how about this? How about it? And this was a sticking point, Ted. I said, how about if I go to the to senator and say, Senator, these Senate presidents will back you. If you put in Amendment 11 that a four-year institution must accept a graduate from a community college in the state of Florida, provided the program at the four-year institution is available. But, you know, you couldn't have them accept a program wasn't available. I took it to Senator Graham, just a little meeting, me and Robert Gibson, who was his attorney, uh-huh. to us. Said, Senator Graham, they'll do it if you protect them in the Constitution. He turned to his attorney and he said, Bob, can we do that? His attorney said, absolutely, Senator. So it is in the Constitution, Ted, because of Ward Scott. Wow. That any college graduate from a community college in the state of Florida must be accepted by the four-year institution, provided you know, that. I remember that. What year was that? 2001, two, long in there, 2000, 2001. You know, because I went to Broward Community College in in, uh, Bro- in Broward County, obviously. Well, that president was a good friend of mine. Was he? Yeah, good friend. 
I didn't know anybody at those higher echelons back then. I was just trying to pay my way through college. Well, he was a good guy. But there was that uh, when I applied, people would say, oh, they're not going to take anybody from a junior college to vet school. And, um, yeah, because that was a big issue back then. You know, are, are you going to be able to transfer? Well, I fixed it. I you know, appreciate it. I fixed it, brother. You may not be where I am today. I knew you were an important guy when I first met you. <laughs> well, you're talking about the Democrats didn't uh, welcome you into the party. Trust me. I after, went through the same thing with the Republican Party. Ted, after I did all that, okay? Yeah. In a college town for this university and this community college. You should have been a poster boy for them. Those damn Democrats wouldn't talk to me. I'm glad you found some. Uh, well, I switched. I, 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 switched. I said, the, the heck with that. You know, I, yeah. mean, I know it kind of shocked Senator Graham when I did it because he and I were really tight because uh, he relied on me, you know, to do things. Yeah. But it was E.T. York that put it together. And I really admired that man. Boy, what a no, statesman. He was a good man. He was a good man. What a statesman. Man, what a great gentleman. I don't care what party, you know. Of course, he was one of the guys that grew up out of the countryside. When sure. Florida was a Democrat state, you know, we used to work on his cattle. Yeah. So um, that that was uh, a little history. I thought I might as well throw it in here now because because of the T-shirt. It goes goes back to the T-shirt and that picture. And what was I doing with that T-shirt on? Um, uh, you know, one of the things I found out Ted, was, um, you know, your little group might like it. <laughs> but, you know. These ideology, and this is what gets me, man. We're going to come up on a break in a minute, maybe have you talk about it, because you had a fantastic trip through the minefield to success. Um, we were very fortunate. You know, you really did a great job. Nobody really gave you much credit, and nobody really thought you'd do it. And um, uh, we'll talk about it. Let's talk about it when we get back. But, sure. but um, you know, people don't understand the political world unless they really have been in it, uh, how treacherous it is. And sometimes you have to make a deal with the devil to get what you want on down the line. You know what I'm saying? You've got to have that guy's vote. And and that becomes a problem because, you know, do I want to do that horse trading or or not? And I want to get, get your opinion on that. I know. I left that party because I didn't want horse trade with them at all. But, you know, I got it. You know something? I'll tell you this. I can't. I probably, I probably can't reveal it because um, she said it to me privately. Do you, do you know who LaVita Brown is? Oh, yeah. A Democrat stateswoman. You know, she was. She was a Democrat stateswoman. I had a lot of respect for her. Oh, I, I had tremendous respect for her. Yeah. I'm going to say right now what she said to me. I'm saying it on the air. I ran as Republican against uh, our, our guy here uh, in the year, the Republican black guy in the year Obama was running for president. Right. I didn't have a chance. I didn't know. I got more votes as a Republican candidate for county commission than any Republican in the history of the county. Really? I was running against Rodney Long. Okay. And he beat me because of Obama. Now, let me tell you what 
Rolamita Brown said to me after the election, Ward, you're the only Republican I have ever voted for. Really? Yeah. God bless her. She's alive. I hope she doesn't come after me on that. But uh, no. she said to me, that was great sadness. Really? With, with great sadness, Ted, because yeah. she realized I was far better than Rodney Long. But the party didn't give a damn. No, they don't. I mean, look at Fetterman. I mean, they're going to rally Fetterman. around look a at Democrat Fetterman. for a Democrat vote. They don't care about the character of the person. And, and you know, the Republicans, I guess, did the same with Santos. I mean, that guy's uh, a piece of garbage. I shouldn't say that. He's a very unethical person, and he shouldn't be in politics. But the Democrats will get around somebody like Fetterman that can't even speak because all they have to do is put the voting card in front of them and he'll vote however they tell them. And that's what's wrong. That, that's the difference between Republicans and Democrats. Democrats are going to stick party line all the way. Republicans were, were more free thinking. And no, I, I voted for some initiatives that were kind of Democrat that I could support. And, you know, most time I didn't, you know, I voted with the Republican party, but I went against the Republican party too. Just said, no, this is wrong. You know, like on the budget or the omnibus bill and those crazy things that they do. Um, well, th that's something we need to talk about because you can shoot yourself in the foot doing that. Sure. And what I mean by that, the Democrats are going to, they don't, you know, they don't, they're going to hold their nose and support whatever in their party. Yeah. The Republicans, over some well-taken principle, of course, mm -hmm. which is unfortunately not widely applicable, if you know what I mean, will actually eat their own. Right? They'll turn on What's their that? own. Sometimes. They'll turn on their own sometimes, and not. Oh, the Republicans? Uh, yeah, turn on all their the own time. People. All oh, the time. Man, you know, I, I've seen the Democrats do it, too, but I look at the Republican Party, especially when you get to, to the leadership with Boehner and Ryan and uh, McCarthy. They'll go after you in a heartbeat. I mean, it is amazing how they would consume and get rid of their own Republicans because they would challenge leadership. Uh, they went after me uh, two or three terms. <laughs> well, we got to take a break here for the weather. All right, and uh, it's, I, mean, I think it's a pretty good discussion for people to hear because you and I have been in the belly of the beast. You, you know, a different, a different arena than I, but it can't get much nastier than Alachua County politics. Um, huh? That's a pretty tough one, yeah. That's a pretty tough one. Look at what they're fixing to do with this GRU bill. Um, uh, we'll talk about that when we get back to because I interviewed sure. Chuck, I interviewed Chuck Clemens for that for a great interview for an entire hour. Did you really? I'm a high, big fan of Chuck Clemens. And good guy. He's a darn good guy. He's a statesperson. He's somebody yeah. who got, got the ability. And, you know, he can make deals. He can, you know, he has his principles, but, you know, he if it, you know, he can make a deal. And um, but boy, I'm telling you, they are coming after and who's leading it? None other than the person we call the communist commissioner. Um uh, <laughs> Robert Karl Marx Hutch Hutchison. <laughs> you know, he's an avowed communist. He said he's a communist. Uh, we call him Rob I call him Robert Karl Marx Hutch Hutchison. 
Oh, God. He's, he's announced he's a communist, and Byerly announced he's a proud socialist. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, they truly are. Let me got it. We got to take a break, brother. All right. For the weather. Take us away, Zach. We'll be right back at the weather, and then we'll resume our. Put some chat conversations up here, my students. I'll take a look at it. We'll be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Uh, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave on Ted Yoho Wednesday. We're having a great conversation, very frank conversation here about uh, party strategy, uh, campaigning, uh, being careful about not getting on an island by yourself when you've got to get somebody to come and pick you up. Even if you don't like the guy, you still want him to pick you up and you do the same. We're talking about real politicking and how it no longer really exists. We have these absolute kind of characters who it's my way or the highway. They don't get anything done. And uh, the problem is, how do you how do you break that up? But the story in the weather is this intense heat. Uh, we're already at 80 degrees at this time of day uh, here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. I haven't seen that on the temperature here ever before at this time of day. Uh, we're going to be going up into the hundreds probably here before long today. It's going to be hot and humid. And uh, 
Uh, it's um, it's sad to say too one thing that the world famous hot dog eating contest was halted yesterday due to lightning storms. I watched that part that didn't get before it got stopped. It was amazing to see these guys eating these hot dogs. How many they could eat in ten minutes? It blew me away. And you know who sponsored it was Pepsi. No kidding, they should sponsor it, for God's sakes. I can't eat hot dogs very much. Man, the guy ate something like 70 hot dogs, Ted. And, 70? Oh, in 10 minutes. I mean, That's God, toxic. Literally choked him down. Uh, he's the, and here's the big deal about it. The dude is making quite regularly, um, well, everybody wants him to eat something. He's making hundreds of, hundreds of millions of dollars. There was a dude he was competing with who was a donut-eating champion. Oh, my God. Another guy was an oyster-eating champion. Um, these guys have found a competitive niche in the athletic world of eating. Oh, my God. <laughs> the athletic world of eating. I yeah, might qualify yeah. for that. I used to be yeah. able to qualify for that. Oh, God. But it got called off yesterday due to lightning. Oh, my God. I had to report that. Damn, so anyway, these are really what's known as the dog days of summer. Um, there's a little story behind that, by the way. Um, it, it's not due to dogs. Um, um, let me see what the story really is. Uh, it goes back hundreds of uh, quite a while to the ancient Greeks and Romans uh, are thought to have been the ones who coined the term because of the dog star. There was a star which looked like a dog to them, and it would rise in the heavens and signal to them that hotter days were coming. I didn't know that. I don't know. Ted is a vet. I don't know if he knew that or not, that the dog days no, come, come from the Greeks. Uh, who, is that uh, right? I know the dog days. When I was a kid in Minnesota on the Mississippi River, they talk about the dog days are here. Yeah, the, the Greeks and the Romans are the ones who uh, got it out of the stars. They and the stars it, yeah, the stars look like dogs. Um, and that told them that... Uh, uh, you know, heat was coming. Who'd have thunk it, right? As my grandmother. Yeah, really. Who'd have thunk it? Well, we're back here. I'm checking the, t- uh, the chat line here, and we're talking with uh, Ted Yoho, who, as steady as the stars, being one himself, appearing every Wednesday, right? More hey, like Ted, Beetlejuice. Have you seen this um, Miss Moon lately? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh my God! Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Oh, it was absolutely gorgeous over here. I mean, we had a clear. I mean, you could see it come up and. Track it. Yeah, it's really neat. Really, really neat. Well, you know, I think that yeah, those oh, yeah, are the things that people really want to, you know, spend their time on. You know, those things that are just, you know, you see nature, you see the beauty of that, you, you, you see life. It just makes you appreciate life more. All this other stuff with the garbage, with politics, wears people down. You know, we need to get out more and we need to do more of those things. And, you know, really appreciate the simple things of life. And I think we'd all be better off as a nation. I know you would be individually. Well, I you, know, get that uh, way. you know, it's uh, I know you feel the same way about the country life as I do. And um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people just don't get to ever. We have a, a house guest right now. Lives in the city, staying with us for a little while. Never gets to see the moon rise, Ted. Really? Because of the buildings. Wow. The buildings. How do you see That's the moon that. rise when you're in a, uh, a Soviet-style compound 
in Gainesville, it goes up eight stories or so. Yeah. And, you know, where, how are you going to see the moon? I mean, right. see it once it's up there, but you're not going to see it coming up through over the forest, you know? Um, it, you know, it, it's an amazing. And, and and we do have, I've got an article here somewhere about it. Um, people are moving, as you know, out of these cities, if they can get out. And I'm always worried um, that uh, when they moved, say, out of New York, Ted, they would bring New York politics with them. And apparently, according to the studies, and AP did a deal on Associated Press, um, that's not what's happening. Um, If they're Republican, they're going to a Republican state. And they're staying Republican. In other words, they're they're not infecting a Republican state. <laughs> they're making it stronger, huh? Yeah, they're making it stronger. At the same thing, at the same time, the Democrats are getting out of the city or going to Democrat states. And the point of the article is that it's just deepening the divide in the country. Yeah. Well, that's I kind of, broken. You know, I was wondering where the Democrats are going. Um, I know we see a lot of people moving in um, in our area, and they seem to be Democrats. And I'm like, hmm. Not gonna work good here. Well, um, even where you are around in Putnam County, yeah, and we like uh, um, the modern day Democrat. They're they're not the ones that you were talking about earlier. You know, the blue dog Democrats like the Sid Martins and things like that that did good for the community. The Bob Grahams, you know, these new ones. They're uh, they follow the Marxist agenda. You know, they believe that government and, and it's the Biden economics that the Epic Times, well, it's, there's several reports on there. Wall Street Journal's got it. Um, Biden economics, where you grow government bigger, more programs, and more control. That's really what they want. And that was the very thing that Ronald Reagan pushed back against. Um, you know, they want they want total control. You know, health care, education, you know, energy, all that, and mandate things to the American people. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, I think these what we're calling blue dog Democrats had in common is their rural background. Senator Graham came from a milk, a dairy farm, right? A dairy farm. And you know how, you know how he got involved in politics. What he told me watching his dad, his dad was having to pay the mafia to carry his milk across a bridge. Really? Yeah. In Miami. And it was breaking his dad. I mean, you know, they couldn't do that. And so his dad bravely got together with other people who needed to get across that bridge without being, you know, extorted and fought the mafia and eventually won. Wow. I didn't know that. He, yeah. And, and let me let me tell you how that I learned that. When uh, Jackson Sasser was the president of Santa Fe. Yeah. He came to me and he said, Ward. He's a good man. Can you get, uh, I was the Senate president also. Can you get uh, Senator Graham to come to the college and talk? I said, sure. So I went to him. I said, Senator Graham, I said, um, the president would, because uh, Jackson didn't know Senator Graham. The president would like to have, to invite you to the college to talk to the students. Um, would you like to do it? He said, oh, yeah, I'd love to do it. So he came out to the auditorium. By the way, he spoke at 
extemporaneously without one note because his method of talking was storytelling. And he told the story of that milk challenge that his dad, and he said that's how he got involved in politics. And he said it took him something like 30 some years by the time they started to really impact the mafia and, and, and stomp them out. That's how, and he compared that to how long it would take because he was president, he was chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee then. How long it would take to stomp out Al Qaeda? He said, think of Al Qaeda as the mafia. Mm-hmm. We will have to infiltrate them. We will have to, we only, he says, in the Army language school, we don't even have anybody speaking that language. Right. We prepared for European battle with Russians and people like that. All of our language school guys are going to learn Russian. We don't have anybody who can infill an Al-Qaeda organization. We haven't got a language school set up for it. Interesting. That was a big problem. That's why they needed so many interpreters and you know people like that. That well, again, we didn't understand that culture when we went in there. That was just the biggest. I don't think we do now. You know, we don't. look at look at look at Biden just pulling out. You know, as a monument to stupidity. <laughs> I mean, really. Well, you know, and he said, "Well, we had no idea the Taliban was going to take over so quick." Yes, we did. We knew. I mean, he was told, you know, within three weeks they would have complete control of the country, and all the all the good we did do, you know. It was only good because we had a presence there. As soon as we left, it left. And, um, you know, women were going to school at an all-time high over there, and now they can't go to school. You know, they can go through one through sixth grade, basically, the equivalent of that. And then the girls can't go to school anymore. Well, I think he told the truth when he said he had no idea. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think he did have an idea, you know? Uh well, you know, again, that shows a short sightedness of our foreign policy. Before we go into a place, you better you better know where you're going. You know, when you pick up something in the China shop, you better know what it is and what it costs before you go in there because you might break it. What do you make of this uh, article by Nicholas Riccardi, uh, Trump okay. South Carolina rally? Did you have any? Did you, you got any opinion about that rally? Very recent. That's a huge crowd. Huge. It was. I mean, that town only had, what, 9,000 people, but there was roughly 30,000 in there. You know, Trump has got that draw. And, again, with what he's been through, if he gets back in there, I hope he can do the things he says he wants to do. And I hope he can leave the the sideshow, the circus, over here, um, but I don't know if he can do that. But it, it is amazing the, the draw he has. And I think so many people, you know, when I got elected, people said, you're our last hope <laughs> for the country. Yeah. And, you know, the weight that puts on a person. But then when you look at Trump, I think so many people are showing up to his rallies because they're saying you are the last hope to save America. And, um, you know, I, I hope he takes that on and focuses on the job and then gets rid of the deep state, the ones that are going after him. Uh, it, it, we're going through some turbulent times here. It's definitely historical times that we are going through that they'll write about 
this point in time in American politics. And, uh, you know, Trump is, he, like you said, he is a master at getting the free media just by doing those rallies and the amount of people showing up. It's unprecedented that anybody, any candidate has ever been able to do that. It's almost like the old time uh, whistle tours, you know, where the. Yeah, on the train. Right. Yeah. Sat in the back of the train. Yep. Waving to people and doing the stump speeches on the on the railroad tracks. Well, in this article, I'm going to run some things by you that I I hadn't thought about. Americans are segregated by their politics. We know that. Mm-hmm. One party uh, controls the entire legislature in all but two states. I didn't know that. In 28 no. states, the party in control has a supermajority. And at least one legislative chamber. I, I assume Florida is one of those, which means the right. majority party has so many lawmakers that they can override a governor's veto. Right. Not that they would in most cases. Only 10 states have governors of different parties than the one that controls the legislature. So this interpretation of these facts, um, Ted, are as follows. This has sent the states into deep division, diametrically opposed to each other, either politically left or politically right. And you know the litmus test for this? Abortion. Is it really? Yeah, it is illegal once a heartbeat can be detected in a fetus nearly five or six weeks in Idaho. A new law passed this year makes it a crime to help a minor travel out of a state to obtain one. Well, it should be. You know, for a minor to travel outside of the state without the parents' consent, it's it's ridiculous. And think of this. When was the last time our country was so divided over an issue, if it's abortion? Yeah. When, when was the last time in that, if you looked at history, when were we so divided between ideologies well, you know where the state would be they'd probably travel to? Colorado. State law in Colorado prevents any restrictions on abortion. Prevents any restrictions. Any restrictions. Yeah. So there we have Colorado and Idaho, according to the analysis here, represent <laughs> two poles of state-level political homogenation. Neat term, political homogenation. Um Colorado, the analysis is, is swinging to the left because of its affluent college-educated people who have fled the coast for that state. Huh? That's huh? a good reason not to go to college. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? You know, you know their, their, um, their governor, Jared Polis, I served with him in Congress, and he is, well, he, he is a different... Uh, um, um, gender beliefs in uh, sexuality than what I have. And I, I'm not going to criticize them on that. But you said they have laws where no abortion restrictions. It's illegal to have abortion restrictions. He was the guy that was arguing about castrating the wild horses on the prairie. You're kidding. Because, no. He said that would just be too too cruel to castrate a horse, but yet they're willing to kill a fetus, you know, I want to know uh, how the, the hell he was going to round. I want to know how the hell he was going to round him up and who was going to hold that horse. 
Was that going to be you, Ted? It wasn't going to be me, huh? No, I mean, uh, we could do a whole segment on the Bureau of Land Management and their mismanagement of the horses out in the prairie. Um, and why we've got such a mess. But um, I wanted to ask you, I asked you, when was our country this divided over an issue before? And the, the answer I wanted was the Civil War. You know, it was over oh, slavery. Listen, Ted, go back and read that congressional record about 10 years. It wasn't a congressional record. It was called something else. About 10 years or so before the Civil War broke out, mm-hmm. the acrimonious conversations, the attempt to reconcile only created more division. If you actually were a psychologist or, you know, an analyst, you know, 500 years from now and compared our discussions right now in Congress to those discussions, you wouldn't be able to tell much difference. Except, as you say, the item they're complaining about is different. Slavery then, abortion now. That's why history replaces or repeats itself. Yeah. I mean, lessons aren't learned. Though, basically, I've been saying that. We are in a civil. We are in a civil war right now. We just haven't gone to the battlefield, but we're in a civil war. Well, and that same thing was true for the Revolutionary War. The Revolutionary War didn't start in seventeen seventy six. It started about fifteen twenty years before that, and that's where we are. We're, we're we're in that time period, and I just hope there's a leader that can lead us out of this without any conflict. I mean, the, if if Trump wins the nomination, you're going to see the, the rise of Antifa again, which is synonymous with the Nazis' brown shirts that went out and terrorized people. You're going to see that again, you know, because they've laid low. But if he shows up again, I'll guarantee you Antifa will be out there. And then um, we're going to have that same kind of garbage going on in this country. And, uh, you know, with the way the society is now, with that article I just read to you about, Washington, D.C., the homicides are up like 48%. Sex crimes are up, you know, carjackings, all these things are up. Now we're going into, if Antifa comes back out, it's going to be that much worse. You know, you think what all the damage that was done in Washington State and Oregon and, you know, the likes like that, that those people never got prosecuted, it'll be that much worse. And there'll be that much more government censure by this administration. Well, we're at the end of the show. I'm going back to some country life here after the show. Going to move some of my cattle around. Going to let one of my buddies down the road use the bull. Um, that we would name the bull Rambo. <laughs> He's a good bull. He really is. Uh, are the uh, place you're lending it to? Are they well-run herds? Um, yeah, they, they are. I wouldn't take him somewhere without uh, you know somebody being there knows what he's There's doing. There's some STDs that can be brought back. So you be oh careful. my God! Oh my God! I'm going to call you out of retirement, man. <laughs> yeah, man, I saw there's um, um, vibriosis is one of them. Really? And, um, yeah, and it comes. It's a reproductive disease in cattle, and trich- trichomonas. Really? An, oh yeah, that's a terrible one. And I mean, I've seen herds go from you know ninety in the ninety percent um, uh, fertile rate down to fifty percent. You know, and uh, it, yeah. I saw a guy had to get rid of a hundred bulls. No, his herd was that big. He got he sold every bull because he had trichomonas in them. Oh um, my God, that's a nightmare! Yeah, so right be there careful. <laughs> oh well, I, <laughs> now you give me something else to worry about. <laughs> but if it's well managed, sir, and they have a high conception rate, you're all right. 
Yeah, he's okay. I think, uh, you know, we've, we've uh, swapped around before and we keep it between us. We don't uh, have many things coming in from outside. The only thing we got from the outside right now All right. Is, is that little calf. That little calf that wanted in. And yeah. Uh, yeah, she's assimilated quite nicely. She's here with the herd. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll see how she turns out. But that was a hell of a story, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, it was. And, you know, running up down the road. Whose cow is it? So, uh, yeah, boy, it's always fun. It's always enjoyable. We had some hot topics today, man. Uh, yeah. We talked about some uh, really interesting dynamics. What, what happened to the Democrat Party with the great, you know, Jerry Nadler and and Schiff and those guys, there is no way, no way they'd ever be E.T. York and Sid Martins. There's just no way. Schiff, Schiff is an evil person. And oh, there's yeah. a great a great hearing with Ralph Norman on North Carolina and the Rules Committee with Maxine Waters on this whole thing about uh, mortgages. And uh, it's worth watching because, I mean, she's just dumb as a rock. <laughs> I hate to say it. Anyways... I, I can't wait till next week, man. Have a great day and tell Carolyn Lowe and uh, yep. your driver. She's your driver, I know. Hopefully. <laughs> I love it. Bye, when you love it. Yeah. Take care, brother. Happy Independence Day. See you. Fort Hall Command Center out.